Morning, Cross Point Church. It's good to see you this morning. While you're at home on your couches, I'm in our normal greeting station. Why don't you come on in? We're going to have a great study in God's Word today. What a week this has been, huh? 40 million California residents told to stay home. So many opinions about that. We're not going to talk about that this morning. We're going to jump into God's Word. I, I hope your heart's been prepared this week to receive what God has for us from Philippians 4. Let's go study God's Word. Thank you for joining us for study this morning. I'm so thankful that in the New Testament, the church is described as a body, not a location or a time. So we're here this morning to study God's Word um, and I'm just going to start with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, gracious God, we're so thankful for all that you do in our lives. I just pray your grace now as we open your word. Please speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that uh, through the panic of the culture we live in, you would settle our hearts to find the anchor in the storm. Lord, I pray that you would please give us grace now as we open your word. Please speak to our hearts in a very clear way through your Holy Spirit. I pray that, God, that you would, would change us, that you would mold us, you would make us. You would continue to guard us and to guide us. Lord, it is a privilege now to open your word, and I pray that you would bless the study. We pray all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Just want to make a couple brief mentions before we jump into the text this morning. Uh, you should have access to the handouts this morning. So if you need to pause, get off the couch now, and go print it off, feel free to do so. And then you can play it again when you get back. But it should look something like this. Feel free to print those off so you can follow along. Granted, this may not be totally awkward for you. Be, might be actually more comfortable for you to be at home on your couch. I'm just going to mention to start off, this is entirely awkward for me. Just like thousands of others, uh, other pastors around the globe right now, in the United States primarily right now, guys preaching to empty chairs and empty pews. So bear with me as we walk through this. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pretend that there is a bunch of smiling faces looking at me in these chairs around here. I'm also going to pretend that there's some, just to keep it real, pretend that there's some that are occasionally nodding off, pretend that there's some uh, young adult potentially uh, distracted by their phones on occasion, and I'm going to especially pretend that there's an amen section off to my left hand with a fellow by the name of Daniel who we love shouting out amens for God's grace. So we're going to work through this together. Um, and then I do have one last thing to mention before we jump into this study this morning. On this bright morning in 2005, my wife and my, our, our lives were changed forever with the birth of a precious, beautiful little girl named Kara Christine Scott. Happy 15th birthday, Kara. May you live your life in faithful pursuit of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to invite you now to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Again, we're into the conclusion of this amazing letter through our studies. God has taught us so much in this letter about gospel-transformed living, unity through humility, true joy in the Lord. And remember, as we entered into chapter 4 of this 
beautiful passage, this, this amazing epistle, we find this imperative. Stand firm in the Lord. The last three weeks we have seen some very timely truths that flow from that imperative. Namely this, as we stand firm in the Lord, we must embrace a gracious approach to life and ministry. There's another one. As we stand firm in the Lord, we must choose to turn all of our anxieties into prayers. Here's another one. As we stand firm in the Lord, we must embrace God's filter system for intended peace. And the peace of God shall be with you. How appropriate has this passage been for our current culture, our current situation in life? I praise God for his timing. I praise God that he has us studying this text at this particular time. Now today, this passage is just as timely. I'm telling you, just as timely. To see God's sovereign work in the passage we're studying today, we're going to zero in to this title, Finding Contentment in Christ. And then even zero in a little deeper into one word, contentment. In this passage, Paul clearly says this, I have learned to be content. So time for some some word pictures today. Normally we see pictures, but we're going to do some word pictures today. As you're sitting on your couches, drinking your coffee, in your pajamas, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word content? What scene comes to your minds when you hear the word contentment. If you were a a movie producer and you had the task to present a short one minute clip on contentment, let's just say a short 20 second clip on contentment, what scene would you create? Well, maybe it's one of these scenes. Maybe the contentment scene is an older retired couple sitting on the front porch in their rockers on a summer evening, crickets in the background, Sipping on their summer sweet tea, their southern sweet tea. Maybe the contentment scene is a a fellow after a hard day work, kicking off his boots, gently swinging in his hammock, in the shade, with the cool breeze. Maybe the contentment scene is a child laying in a field, a field of knee-high grass, with one piece of long grass coming out the side of his mouth, staring at the clouds without a single care in the world. Maybe that's your picture. Maybe the grass is blowing in the breeze. This whole field is just blowing around. This kid doesn't have a care in the world. Maybe that's your picture, your scene of contentment. Maybe it's another one. Maybe the contentment scene is is a lady resting in her, her sun chair at the beach, Listen to the calming crash of the gentle waves, occasionally sipping on a tasty drink. Maybe that's your picture of contentment. Maybe the contentment scene is a a young barefoot boy sitting on a log beside a calm stream with a fishing pole in his hand. Not a care in the world. So, So scenes like that are what we most likely think of when we think of the word contentment. Maybe one of those came to your mind. However, Let's change the details of the scene just very slightly this morning. We don't naturally think of a contented older couple sitting on the front porch, sipping their southern sweet tea, 
with a tornado siren blaring in the background. That's not natural to the way we think. We don't naturally think of a contented dude swinging in a hammock during a lightning storm. It's not natural to how we think of contentment. We don't naturally think of a contented child laying in a field during a blizzard. We don't naturally think of a contented barefoot boy sitting by the stream with marble-sized hail falling all around him. That doesn't spell out contentment for us. We don't naturally think of a contented lady laying on her beach chair in the middle of a hurricane. That's not naturally what comes to our minds. So adding a storm to the scene is not natural to the concept of contentment in our lives. However, the biblical fact is this, as we will see very clearly in this text, that contentment is highlighted through the storm scene. I mean, think about this. So very quickly, our lives go from the sweet tea rocking chair to economic panic with, with the stock market plummeting daily and many losing thousands of dollars in the retirement fund. So quickly our lives can go from calmly lying in a hammock to pandemonium over a lack of essential life items. Yes, even that stuff we, well, we take care of our backsides with, that TP. Panic over TP. So quickly our lives go from the field of, of knee-high grass and the breeze to global markets freezing, causing everyone to wonder what will be the new norm in this economic blizzard. So quickly our lives go from the beach chair next to the calm crashing waves to the hurricane of global health with a pandemic that might potentially at any moment touch into our lives and not into our lives, maybe the lives of our loved ones. Maybe not so concerned about Reading. You might not be as concerned about that. But maybe your loved ones who live in hotspot metro areas these storm scenarios are real life in real time in a broken world. And these are the storms of life that Paul so clearly touches on in the text that we're studying today. So as you're sitting there, would you look at your Bibles, your devices, the back of your handouts, whatever it might be, and would you read with me Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13. Paul says this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, ab hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. All right, so what's the story of this text? Well, we can remember back in the context that we've been talking about, but verse 10 really sets it up well. Paul says this, I rejoice the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. 
You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Simply enough this, through his life and ministry, Paul was in regular need of very practical care, especially through his multiple visits to prison. In these prisons with very minimal care. Early on in his ministry, we're talking maybe 10 years prior to this, as you walk through the timeline of the Apostle Paul's life, the church of Philippi had lovingly helped support Paul. But then through a period of time, they did not have the opportunity to share. We don't know exactly what this opportunity was what, or the lack of this opportunity was, whether it was that they themselves were working through financial uh, leanness, as we'll look at next week. I think that's a very probable scenario for them. Or they did not have someone to deliver the funds or, or possibly they did not sense Paul's need, whatever the case, they didn't get word of it. But then, more recently, for the church of Philippi, through Epaphroditus, the church's passion to help Paul revived, and they took the opportunity, simply enough, to be a huge blessing to Paul. And remember, through this text, where is the Apostle Paul? Back in prison. And this church is using the opportunity to, to bless Paul and his very needs in jail, in prison. Now Paul sitting in prison, prison, briefly expounds in his personal testimony about the life lesson that God had been teaching him about this word again, contentment. Paul says this, not that I am speaking of being in need, or in other words, not that I am distracted or not that I am consumed with my need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So technically, uh, what does it mean to be content? How would you define this word contentment? Well, contentment and, and being content is to be satisfied because of sufficiency. Really, we need to think of it in terms of those two words. Satisfied sufficiency. Satisfied through sufficiency. The primary word that really should be highlighted of those two words is the word sufficient. And actually, that's what the Greek word is talking about. Sufficient. In many uh, Greek translations uh, or English translations of that Greek word, you'll actually find a prefix in front of it. And the prefix is self. So when, in, in many contexts of this word, we're talking about self-sufficiency. And I love this because we're going we're gonna to take that word and, and see as it sculpts this text. But the concept of contentment is independence. It means self-sufficiency, not needing something else. Paul says this, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He says, I have learned to find satisfaction through sufficiency. I have found rest despite or in spite of outward circumstances. I have found peaceful gratification based on the assurance that what I already possess, catch this, what I already possess is sufficient to sustain me through the storms of life. That's what Paul is saying. Now, in this passage, we find some amazing descriptions about this true contentment. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'd love to see how Paul really describes this true contentment. Well, that's exactly what we're going to look at in this text. 
True contentment, starting off with this main point. True contentment is learned through adverse experiences. True contentment is learned through adverse experiences. Paul says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am. Very clearly, he says, I have learned. Through the Spirit, he intentionally uses this concept of learning. So in our minds, we might think of formal education. Someone sitting there receiving instruction. But this particular Greek word for learning is not like in a formal instruction setting. It is learning through experience. It is to gain knowledge through practice or experience. The fact is this. We think of this in terms of this text. Contentment doesn't just happen automatically in the life of a believer. As much as we'd like contentment just to happen as we snap our fingers, it doesn't. It is a learned process. The course that God uses to train contentment is called often Adversity 101 in the school of hard knocks with a very gracious teacher named Mr. Experience. That is how Paul is looking at this passage. As much as we want contentment to just happen, it is learned through varied Adverse experiences. The biblical truth is God is teaching us right now. God is growing us right now. And how is he doing that? In many of your lives, it's, it's a variety of, of trials and suffering. Yes, through the uncertainty even of a virus, COVID-19, God is teaching us contentment. Paul continues on this vein of thought about learning. Look at, just look at the, 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 the terminology used. He says, I have learned, and then he continues on in the same verse. Uh, actually, the next verse, verse 12. I know. So there he is again. Not only have I learned, but I know. And what does he know? I know how to be brought low. The concept of I know is I understand, I recognize, I've come to a realization of something. And here's the realization. I know how to be brought low. That concept of being brought low is this. I know how to be utterly humiliated. Some of your translations will see, I say, I know how to be abased. Uh, the concept of being brought low is a concept of, of, of reaching extreme poverty. Paul's point is this. He had learned to be satisfied when the storm of life brought him poverty. Wow, just think about that in terms of our, our spiritual lives. Sometimes we're tempted to think that just because we follow Jesus Christ, everything is going to be just right in our lives. Our bank account is going to be fruitful all the time. Our car will never break down. We will never go through a sickness. Very clearly, Paul is saying here, I know, I have learned, and I know, I'm, I'm through experience, that suffering has brought contentment in my life. In other words, God has used suffering to bring me to a place of contentment. How else does he describe this, this learning this learning curve or this learning experience. He says, I know how to be brought 
flow. And he says something else though. This is good. I know how to abound. In other words, I understand, I recognize how to abound means to be rich, uh, to live in prosperity, to have plenty, to have something. The whole concept is to have something left over at the end of the day, to have a little bit of overflow. Paul's point is Paul, he had learned to be satisfied through not just adverse times of poverty, but through overflowing times of prosperity. Which, by the way, sometimes this is equally as hard of a task in the life of a believer. To recognize that we have plenty and not to be driven with the desire to have more and more and more and more. To not be driven with a desire to have and to hoard from this day forward. (laughs) To be content with what God has done for us. And Paul very clearly says, I have learned contentment. I've been brought low. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And then he says another phrase. In our English, it's translated the exact same way. However, it is a different Greek word. He says, I have learned. There it is again. But this word learned has a bit of a different meaning to it. It means this, to be initiated into, initiated into it. I have been initiated into contentment. Think of it that way. I have been initiated into the contentment realm through various ups and downs of life. How how many feel that way right now? You are going through contentment initiation. As, as, as a coach of a soccer team, the freshmen would come in to play on the team, a college soccer team. And within the first week, as soon as the, teams, uh, the, the players made the team or were cut from the team, the team, the players that made the team within the first week, guess what happened? I mean, it had to be monitored, obviously, but some sort of initiation. Usually, well, often it had to do with the fact, uh, with, with, with the outcome of the player not having any hair left on his face at the end of the initiation, on his head. Some sort of initiation. We all have probably been, in a very loving, discreet way, by the way, not in an angry way, usually. <laughs> but most of us have gone through, in, in some aspect of our life, some sort of initiation. Well, Paul brings this to home and he says, I have learned, I have been initiated into this concept of contentment. The simple application is this. What is God doing in your life, in our lives right now to teach you, to teach me contentment? To teach us satisfaction through sufficiency. What lows are you experiencing right now? What uncertainties are you experiencing right now, this week? If we have doubts about this and we don't think we have any reason to be initiated into contentment, turn on the national news for five minutes. (laughs) The question is this, how good of a learner are you being right now? In this school with Adversity 101, with the teacher, Mr. uh, Mr. Experience, how are you doing at learning right now? How good are you handling the initiation process as you're being initiated into contentment? All right, so your coffee's getting cold, so let's move on to another detail of this contentment. 
Not only true contentment is learned through adverse experiences, secondly, true contentment is not selective. This is very clearly a point that the Apostle Paul wants to make. In other words, true contentment is all-inclusive. It's not an either-or thing. It's not a selective thing. I'll take an ounce of this and an ounce of this. I'll shy away from this and I'll go to this. It is all-inclusive. And how does Paul say this? Well, look at the terminology used. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul very clearly uses this term, in whatever situation, simply in whatever setting of life, whatever storm scene that comes into the apostle Paul's life, and very practically he had some storm scenes. Paul says, I am presently existing with grace in whatever storm scene comes. Not the setting I wish I was in, Paul says, but the setting that I am in. He uses another way of saying this in verse 12, in any and every circumstance, no matter what the variety, length, and severity of the setting, the scene, the storm scene, This is actually a repetition. If you look at the the way this is constructed, it's a repetition of the same Greek word. And why? It's for emphasis. Any and every. No matter where I'm at, no matter whom, who with whom I am with, no matter, no matter how long I'm there, I'm going to be content. The simple point is Paul's satisfaction, insufficiency. There it is again. Paul's satisfaction, insufficiency was not selective. It did not depend on who he was with, where he was, when he was there, and how long he was there. The simple application is this. Have you found yourself maybe saying, I certainly have. This is something God's doing in my heart. I could really be content. I could really be satisfied if. If I was with fill in the blank. If I was there, fill in the blank. If I had this, fill in the blank. No, no, no. Paul says, in whatever situation I am, in whatever situation I am to be content. In pastoral clarification, Obviously, God uses adverse situations sometimes in our lives to move us on from one location to another. But the overwhelming plea of the scripture is to find your sufficiency in your situation right now. Not looking to escape that situation, but looking to find sufficiency in that situation. Okay, so your coffee is now officially cold, so let's go on to the final detail of this true contentment. Not only true contentment is learned through adverse experiences, and true commitment or contentment is not selective. Let's look at this third one. True contentment is empowered, and here it is. This is the climax of the whole discussion. True contentment is empowered by Christ. Paul says this in verse 13. He's leading, this whole discussion is leading up here to verse 13. And here's what he says. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
I mean, this is one of those verses we learned when we were a little critter, wasn't it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the climax of the entire discussion. If we, in other words, if we did not have this verse in the text, we would not have a complete discussion on contentment. We need this verse. Satisfaction through sufficiency, and that satisfaction through sufficiency is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. Paul says this, I can do all things. All right, this is not Superman theology. Maybe this is how you learned it when you were a kid. I can do all things through Christ. Uh, maybe uh, if you're on a team with other believers, the, the coach says, hey, everybody, get together. You can do this. You can win this through Christ who strengthens you. This is not necessarily the impetus or, or the motivation for the final game in the tournament. But very simply, here's what it is. All of those circumstances, those adverse circumstances that Paul had just mentioned, he says this, I can still function effectively with contentment through any of those. By the way, when Paul says, I can do all things, uh, the strong implication of this is action. (laughs) Action is in the discussion on contentment. This is so good. Why? Because contentment isn't just sitting. We've talked about this on several different occasions. Contentment isn't just sitting with a smile on your face waiting for something to happen. Contentment is actively serving God through whatever situation comes my way. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we're called to do right now, even through the experiences of COVID-19. Not just smile and wait for it to happen, but find ways to serve God through these things. Find people to encourage. I can do it. I can do it. All things. And then he says this, through him. This is clearly a reference to Christ. Through Christ, the one who is the supreme focus of this entire book. Yes, it's a very Trinitarian book, but this is a very Christological book. The focus is the person and work of Jesus Christ who has transformed our lives through his sacrifice. The one who humbled himself and became obedient to Christ, this is the one that is empowering us. The one who is highly exalted and will be worshipped by all. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. In chapter 2, we find that. He is the one who is giving us strength. So what about this strength? Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He is the one who gives me the ability to to function in very practical ways. He is the one who gives the power to endure just as he endured the pain and suffering of the cross. This is not just through his example. Some would take this and say, this is just following his example, his storyline. I believe it's so much deeper than that. 
This is not just looking at the life of, of Jesus Christ and say, we can do that through his example. No, this is through the very empowerment of the indwelling spirit that God the, the Father through Christ has given us. This is the power of Christ in a very similar way. This, this verse is very familiar to us. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. And the, and the life that I now live in the body, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Very practically, Paul is saying, this Christ, there's this vital union with him. And he is the one that has strengthened me through these adverse situations. Not just giving me the strength to extract myself from the situation, but to walk through these situations The resounding point is this, I can face any and every circumstance not on my own. If we were to take verse 13 out, we might come to that conclusion. To be self-sufficient. I've learned to be self-sufficient. But Paul Paul clearly directs our thoughts on this and says, no, it's not a matter of being self-sufficient. Our sufficiency comes only through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why is this so important? Well, remember how the word content could be translated self-sufficient. Well, that's exactly what the philosophers of Paul's day did. The philosophers tried to tag themselves to their own sufficiency when going through suffering. They tried to analyze suffering based on their sufficiency. And we're not going to go through the list of the different philosophers here this morning. But that was what Paul was talking through. And Paul is clearly saying contentment cannot be found in yourself. You cannot find the contentment. You cannot find the empowerment, the strength to get through this trial on your own. Brothers and sisters, we cannot find the grace to help our community to live as the church of God should live through this pandemic or whatever, however it's described. We cannot do this on our own, even when looking at it from various different opinions. The only way we can get through this is through him who strengthens us. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He is the one who bestows me with the strength to do his will. He is the one who gives me the grace to be content in every circumstance of life. He is the one who gives satisfaction in the midst of COVID-19. This leads us directly to our key idea today. Here it is. Uh, Taken right from the, the, the proposition, taken right from the text. In whatever situation of life, We must find true contentment through the empowering work of Christ. In whatever circumstance, even coronavirus, we must find sufficiency through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what? As we say every Sunday, so what? All right, Pastor Andrew, those are good words from the scriptures. Well, sure, because it is the scriptures. But how is this going to change your life this week? How is this text going to change your life this very day? I would say we need to ask ourselves this question. Am I being a good learner? Are you being a good student in Adversity 101 today? 
Or are you that stubborn, stubborn student that can't wait till class is out of session, not learning a single thing? Are you being a good learner today? Another question. Am I trusting in Christ's strength through my struggle with contentment? Whose strength are you depending on to get you through whatever adverse situation you're going through right now? Financial, social, relational, whatever it might be. Whose strength are you trusting in right now? Paul says very clearly, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ's strength I mean, our, our temptation is to place our strength in our wisdom, our logic, our power, but it is only in Christ's strength. Christ's strength to actively serve a church body through times of uncertainty. Christ's strength to actively share and not selfishly hoard through times of impending poverty. Christ's strength to be content in the storms of life. Even through tornado, a hurricane, or hail, or lightning, or blizzard, your anchor is secure in the King of kings and Lord of lords. On the way here this morning, I was singing out loud by myself in my car, real loud, this song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And this insertion to an older traditional hymn is this. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord. He's Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Brothers and sisters at Cross Point Community Church, this week remember this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, that is the prayer of our heart this morning. Please give us grace to function within this framework. I pray, God, for those who are beside themselves with whatever adversity they're going through, I pray that they would find satisfaction in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. I pray for us, God, that you would give us grace in the community we live in to live out this satisfaction through the sufficiency of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And lastly, Father, I pray for those who might have listened to this this morning that have never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and do not have this relationship with you, Father, through Jesus. I pray today that they would place their faith and trust in the sufficient Christ. We pray all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us for study today. Our prayer is that God's grace would drive you to remember this week that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Uh, also, just a quick reminder, 
Uh, we're going to post some updates on our Facebook page, also our website, including these. Uh, each of the elders are taking just short sections uh, to encourage you, to comfort you with verses and devotional thoughts, just quick ones. I would encourage you to watch those. Uh, you can find, again, those links on our Facebook page, uh, also on our website. Have a blessed week.